Welcome to episode 53 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T. As always, Theo, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Just We're just talking about the wind here in London. Um, whoever's listening from the UK, stay safe because I went to doctors this morning and I got I felt like I needed to wear sunglasses just to stop anything coming into my eyes because there's just debris flying everywhere. It's crazy. I'm just glad I've got no hair, to be fair. <laughs> At least I'm not windswept. So, uh, yeah. But um, we're joined by... By um, Rich from Eagle-Eyed Football. How you doing? Yeah, doing good. Doing good. Um, yeah, what's, as Fio just said, listen, everyone stay safe out there. It's, it's crazy. It is crazy. I mean, <clears throat> I've seen footage of, like, unfortunately, people getting blown. Yeah, yeah. Like, falling over. Because I'm, I'm not too far from Croydon. So when I saw that footage, I was like, snap, I know exactly where that is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, um, I think I've seen that one where that... The that box park. Not, it was in yeah, the, box the box park, park one. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. You know what I mean? And that, that just shows the severity of it. Like, I can look yep. out some window here. There's fences, there's wheelie bins. It's, it's all crazy. But other than that, thank you once again for having me on. And, um, it's a pleasure. Looking forward to talking. You've, you've got your uh, your new jacket on there, Theo, as well. For the, anyone who's listening on the podcast, you've got the uh, the new jacket. I yeah. think it's called, isn't it called a windbreaker as well? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, windbreaker or rain jacket. <laughs> but I uh, found it on sale in the mega store last week and I just thought I had to get it. It looks, it looks quite simple. And nice, yeah. so I call like the little retro badge here as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't go out trying to test it out today, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might not come back uh, in one piece, but um, but let's let's get into the football. Let's talk about what we're here for. Um, and let's start no better place than because I know we haven't really talked about it on a podcast episode. I've done a few match uh, previews and reactions to it, but the Club World Cup, which we need to talk about. There's a, a few things we need to talk about, but obviously we won the Club World Cup. Big smile on my face, I'm trying to hide it, but. It's there. Um, Theo, give me your thoughts because I've done a match reaction already. Um, a right, right thing to do to start Kepa, to start Mendy and drop Kepa? We'll be quick, Rich, I promise, talk about the Club World Cup because um, but I just want to share my thoughts as a, as a Chelsea fan. Um, I would have started Kepa, personally. I thought he was, he played in the semis. He almost got us to the final. He made two or three big, big saves against Al Hilal. So I felt he deserved to start. But maybe in finals, you go with your first choice keeper, which is Mendy at the moment. But I thought, had it been Mendy, had it been Kepa, it could have been. It would have been the same result. Maybe Kepa would have even probably gotten the right way for the penalty. So mm-hmm. it, more of a more inclined to start Kepa. In terms of how I felt, it was a big game. It was a big game. I only realised when I saw those Palmeiras fans. I mean, I spoke in the previous episode how of a big occasion it is for South American teams, less so maybe for European teams. But um, I just feel like a lot of rivals are trying to, you know numb it down saying it's just a Mickey Mouse trophy for, you know, Chelsea. I don't know why you're celebrating as much, but I was really happy, really, really pleased. You know, we lost it in 2012 against Corinthians. We came out this year really wanting to win it. Players like Aspilicueta just needed the Club World Cup to complete the lot and have every trophy in his cabinet. Um, And you kind of saw the celebrations, how much it meant to the manager, the players, the fans as well who travelled all the way to Abu Dhabi. Um, really, really pleased. Performance could have been a bit, be- a bit better. It was a very cagey game, like you predicted, uh, T-Dot. So I felt um, not as reassuring going into the Palace game in terms of the performance. But, um, you know, walking past Stamford Bridge the other day and seeing the new banner with the new, ch- the new trophy collection is quite nice. So um, I'm pleased. I'm really pleased. That was the last one I was missing to complete it all. So we can now officially say we're champions of the world. Official, officially. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about quickly before we move on to the Palace game as well, just a couple of things. But in terms of um, obviously Lukaku scoring in both, not just the final, but the semi-final, um, and also 
Mason Mount injury, which is now obviously means that he's not going to be um, playing tomorrow. He's also not going to be potentially fully fit for the cup final. Two, two well, one's a, not a massive blow because we've seen Lukaku actually scoring goals, which is what we we want for ninety seven million. But for Mason Mount, it's a it's a massive blow. Yeah, he um, he kind of is our creative player. He is that player. You realise how important he is when he not he's not in the squad more than anything. I did feel when he played against Al Hilal, he did not offer much, and he's mm. been a bit on the low recently. Um, so I think Crystal Palace will be an opportunity for Pulisic for Hudson Odoi, and we'll touch upon it later. But we know what Pulisic does against Crystal Palace. <laughs> I can see Rich there, <laughs> head in hands. <laughs> but um, but no, it's going to be a big loss not having. Um, not having uh, Matt Mason Mount, but it, I want to say evens out because Palace will have Conor Gallagher. And um, mm. regard, in regards to Lukaku, he needed those two goals. He looked quite sharp. He looked like he was up for it against um, in the Club World Cup. The goals kind of were put on the plate for him. He couldn't really miss them. But um, you really hope now he goes on a, a you know series of games where he's performing. He's getting goals. We want to see him putting those performances in the Premier League, not just the, the cup. You know the cup competitions. Yep, definitely, hundred percent. And Rich, obviously, let's let's talk Palace, Chelsea. Um, feels like a lifetime since we played in the Premier League. So, obviously, before the Club World Cup, we had the um, the Plymouth game, FA Cup, which was a, a difficult game in itself. But talking about the Palace game, I think just looking here now, last season it was three nil, um, but at Selhurst, um, the the last game at Selhurst, I think it was four one. I think on that day as well, um, Pulisic got two in that game in the four one. There's going to be no Gallagher, obviously, for obvious reasons tomorrow. But um, and before we go on to your to your uh, predicted lineup, what's your thoughts just initially on on the game tomorrow? Uh, before I jump into that, I just want to obviously shout out Manzi. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's got a great channel himself. Manzi talks. Um, um, he has like Premier League reviews. He does black boxing, Champions League, NFL, NBA stuff. So he's doing a lot. He's doing a lot, and. Um, uh, we're supporting, so just check him out as well, guys. It's Muzzy Talk on on YouTube and on all different platforms. I believe, like Instagram and and Twitter and stuff. So yeah, so I, I, I always like shouting out people that if they they come in and supporting me, I got shout them back. You know what I mean? Um, but again, now um, I'm so glad Mason Mount's not available. I'm gutted Pulisic is because <laughs> he's always scoring past us. But I guess. We come into this game in better stead. And I'm not even talking about results-wise, but just how we play as a team. Uh, when you beat us at Center Spot last season, it was it was the end of the road, like, with, with Ray Hudson, mm. you know. So we weren't picking up any results. I think in between that, like, in the round that time, we also lost to Liverpool 7-0 at home as well. So was, everything was coming to the end. Obviously, when we played you this season at, at the bridge, we will be in the European champions. <laughs> and you know what? For the first half, we were terrible. But second half, we gave a very good account of ourselves. Mm. You know, since then, obviously, um, we, we lied in like 12th place, which is weird that as fans, we're not happy about. Because on any given league season, that's a, it's a decent season. And I'm not saying it isn't. It still is a decent season, but we've just drawn too many games and we've dropped too many late points. We could, weirdly enough, we could be eighth. <laughs> you yep. know? So I'm not expecting much from this game, in all honesty. Um, I'm, I see this as a free hit because we've got two big, and this is not bypassing Chelsea at all because we obviously know how quality you are. But we've got Watford and Burnley in the next two games, Wednesday and Saturday. 
we have to be winning those two games. I would rather us lose to, tomorrow and win those two than win tomorrow and lose to Watford and Burnley. Mm. You know? Um, so, yeah, um, hopefully, hopefully our players can just enjoy themselves. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult. So I was reading earlier, I think you haven't, I don't think you've won in the Premier League since the 28th of December. I think it was 3-0 Norwich. Um, yeah. And there has been a lot of draws. I remember, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was maybe maybe November or throughout October, November, there was like a cons- just back-to-back uh, draws. And then I think three defeats followed followed from that as well. So yeah. um, obviously Patrick Vieira is in his first season. And it's it's that sort of transitional period trying to, to find the right eleven. Obviously, that you've had injuries as well to, to cope with um, yeah. a few cancellation games. Possibly, I know we haven't, but I know a lot of the other clubs have. So, um, just in terms of your your predicted lineup, which you, you sent me earlier, which I'm going to share now for everyone who's watching on YouTube, um, you should be able to see. But it's um it's a good lineup. I like it. I think it's um. Make sure I share the right one. Yeah. Talk, yeah. talk us for your predicted lineup. Now, now we've just found that this is the lineup that I personally would go for. Um, based on, on who we have available. Um, as much as Butlin's done well for us, um, I think Guides is just a better shot stopper. And I don't think we'll be facing necessarily many crosses mm. in this game but we may be facing a lot of shots. <laughs> so, um, VG and goal. I've made a change at right back. Now, Joel Wood has been, like, steady for us this season. But I'd say the last three, four games, it's been rocky. Mm. Uh, to the point where he's, he's, I feel like he's been targeted, you know? And um, I just think he just needs to be taken out of the firing line. I know some players need to play themselves into form, but I'd rather him come out of this game and then come back refreshed for the next two, you know? Um, and another reason why uh, I would hope it's Klein is so that we don't have to force Ayu to play, which I'll get into in a minute with, with my front three. Uh, and the, the rest of the back line remains the same. They've, they've been pretty solid. Anderson needs to do better. Gehi, thank you for him. <laughs> He's been brilliant. <laughs> He's been amazing for us. Um, Anderson could be... I reckon if we get a centre-back in, Anderson could lose his spot. You know? Um, that bad? You know what? He's a good ball-playing centre-back, but he just gets exposed. And sometimes mm. positionally, he's just in the wrong place and stuff. Um, but when it comes to passing, range of passes are unreal. Mm. Unreal and stuff. So um, I think he just needs to get back up to the pace of it. Or, and um, He should be fine, but we do need a bigger squad. Tompkins are only centre-back. And um, Kelly... And they're both in the third, you know. Um, into the midfield, obviously, we've lost out. There's no Gallagher due to his ineligibility. I think that rule needs to change, by the way. I, I really, yeah. What, Reason being is there's a lot of teams that send players out for, on loan because they have to, not because they want to bring them back. They're kind of trying to make money out of them, if that makes sense. So, like a Conor Gallagher, if he ends up getting loaned out again next year then he can effectively say that his Chelsea career is done because Roman would just buy someone. You know? so to, I think, to, to, to back what Rich is saying, in the Champions League, you're allowed to loan a player to another club and they can play against you. I remember yeah, Courtois yeah. went out on loan to Atletico Madrid 
and played probably the best game I've ever seen him play against us. Philip Coutinho um, as well. Coutinho, I was about to say, scored against Barcelona while wearing a Bayern Munich shirt. So it could potentially be a rule that we see changed in the Premier League and have players like Gallagher play against us in the future. Yeah, and I think it will just work better for these teams because then they can see if that player is good enough to play. Hmm. They're good enough to play against you. They should be good enough to play for you. So that's it's just a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, but my midfield three, I've gone for Coyote. I, we need to get him back in. We just need an enforcer in there. Um, Will Hughes has been doing an, an amazing job holding for us, but he's not really a, a destroyer. He's more of a passing the ball out, um, <clears throat> picking up from the back and passing it and such. Um, but then I have pushed Will Hughes a little bit further forward. Um, now, Mac has just come back and I can't wait for Mac to start games, but I feel like I don't think he should start this game just because he's coming back from injury. And the third midfielder, I'm hoping we see Eze. I'm done seeing Schlapp in midfield. He can be cover left back for the meantime or cover wing forward. But if we're going to get any sort of creativity in there, we have to play Eze. In saying that, I won't be surprised if Patrick Vieira went Coyote, Hughes and Gallagher, just to shore up that midfield. You know, but I'm hoping as he plays. Um, and in the front three, Saha on the left, Edward up top. And the reason why I've gone Edward instead of Mateta is I don't think we're going to be getting much joy um, going in behind. Because obviously you played a 3-5-2 five, five, sort of thing. So getting in behind with three centre-backs won't be easy. So we need someone who's going to have to hold up the ball. And I think Edward will do a better job of that for us. And on the right side, I am praying we see Michael Lisi come back in. Jordan, are you? No, thank you. No, thank you. The only reason I will play is to produce defensive cover. That's the only reason he'll play. And then we have nothing going forward. I've got a question, Rich. What about um, Miller, Miller Hilovic, um, the Serbian uh, sentiment? His He's legs are gone. And Ben Teke, because he always loves a goal against us. I know that. <laughs> he's, I don't, I wouldn't say he's been frozen up, but he's, he's now fourth choice striker. Wow. And bear in mind, we have three. Because we've got Edward, we've got Mateta, and now we've got Saar, who sometimes plays up top and Edward goes left. So Ben Teke's gone, he's after them, after him, yeah. So um, I don't know if something's happened behind the scenes. I don't know if it's a case where Vera's just said, listen, you're, you're, you're on your way out soon, so... I need to kind of just play with the players that I'm going to be utilising in the future. I don't know, but he has not seen many minutes lately. I wanted to talk about um, from Stu Mack, who said, uh, Vieira's created a style of play, fashion to Palace. Few more signings and phase out the British-based kick and chase players, Tompkins, <laughs> etc. And could resemble something like Wolves or Leicester. Would, would you we, are not, we are not far off it. And that's yeah. so weird to say after... We have, we haven't even had, we've not had a full season yet. Mm. And and I mean <laughs> Palace Twitter can be mad. Like, it can be so reactionary. Tw- Twitter is mad in general. I was just about to say, I think it doesn't matter Fair who point. you support. <laughs> Fair <laughs> point. But um I mean I understand people's outrage at the draws we've been having because like I said, they've been we've drawn too many of the games we should be winning. But some are questioning Vieira, and it's like, mm. do you remember what we were before? <laughs> This is his first season. Judge him next year. Mm. Judge him next year. That's totally fine. But this year, 
our ambitions was to stay in the league yeah, and play a better style of football. We're playing a better style of football and we're doing, we're only like, I think, four to six points of 10th. Mm. Like, it's not drastic. If we can just get a run of wins together, because I think we have a Three points. Three points off 10th. If we just get <laughs> three wins, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll be okay. You know, we just need to... Yeah, <laughs> we just need to run the game. So, yeah. no, it's fine. I think, I think, just in terms of some of these comments here as well. Obviously, we got we got Matt Matt saying, obviously, you know, nice for Chelsea to turn up for the Premier League after that. a holiday. It was an it was a really uh, good holiday as Chelsea fans. I think you know, coming back with a nice trophy. But um, obviously, again, big up Rich, nice stream. Thanks for that, Matt. Um, yeah, look, nice to see Palace taking strides forward rather than being happy playing Roy Ball and sitting this in seventeenth place. It's it's a it's a fair on. comment. Mm. This is it. Um, going to Sellers Park these days and the buzz is like we're disappointed we're not winning games based on how we're playing now. Rather than, oh, actually, yeah, uh, it's another defeat. Uh, on to the next game. Yeah. You know, it's, we, we've, we've come a long way. It's a transition. And I think, you know, we, we, we've had it before with obviously numerous managers that we've had as well, you know, we've had to have that transitional period. And of course, yeah, the budget's a, a totally different aspect to it, but I still think you have to give managers time. You're looking at Conte now at Spurs, you know, okay, yeah, he's got, he's brought in a few players, but he still needs a lot of time. And there's, there's a lot of Spurs fans that are almost turning their backs on not just Conte, but Spurs in a whole. And you think, you know, managers aren't really given that time um, anymore. I don't know what you think, Theo, in terms of managerial changeovers and the time that managers are given now, are they given long enough? You look at, um, I forgot his name. He wasn't there that long. Nuno at Spurs before Conte comes in. It wasn't. It wasn't even half a season, and he was sacked already. So yeah, you've got to give them time. You look at Arteta. He was on the verge of getting a sack August September time. They gave him a couple more games, and to be fair, he's done a fantastic job with the squad he's got. He's almost fighting now for that fourth spot position. Um, Nuno, I think they needed that change, but more because Conte was available rather than actually giving him the amount of time that he needed. But um, changes can, can be a good thing. I really hope Crystal Palace stick with Yera because from a non-Palace point of view, I think it's exciting. It's really exciting to see the players that he's brought in and like all those comments said, it's a change from the boring kind of you know football that Roy Hudson used to have. And he's also managed to lower that average age of the squad. He got rid of the players like Cahill, like um, I'm sure you know better than me, Rich, but like a lot of those players that were kind of aging the squad and brought in the likes of Anderson, like Gallagher and all these exci- exciting players, uh, Mark Guehi from Chelsea as well. So um, from a non-point of view, I, I like watching Palace. I mean, that game that sums them up really is that 2-0 win at, um, at the Etihad. I just feel like they need a bit more consistency. I looked at their recent results recently, draws against yeah. Norwich, draws against Brentford, scrappy wins against Hartlepool and Millwall. It's kind of, they just need that consistency and it'll definitely be a top 10 team. It's wonderful. And I think you talked to any Palace fan and we were actually trading that victory at the Etihad to have more of the, the draws turn into wins, especially away from home. Our home record's not too bad. It's not too shabby. It's just our away record is dire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, I, I think given given the time, I think that's going to change. I think, um, you know, there'll be, there'll be moments where any club will have a dip in form and I think that's expected. But I think the time is the, the ultimate key to getting something right and allowing the manager to bring in the right players and uh, adjusting the, the tactics and style of play to what suits his needs as well. So um, I, I think he needs that as well. But there's a question here from from Matt as well. Um, you know, what's your opinion on Lampard at Everton? 
it's early days, but it's looking promising. I can see a future with Lampard and hopefully he can take 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 it forward like Vieira has at Palace. I think, I mean, me and Theo, obviously, Lampard through and through. Um, it was always going to be a difficult move wherever he went after Chelsea, I think, because the expectations are potentially what he's done at Derby, trying to get them promoted. And then obviously his time at Chelsea, a big, big club as well. Um, but he's got a good team around him. I think he's done the right thing by bringing in, um, you know, the, the coaching staff that he has and, and potentially still keeping Duncan Ferguson, who's, you know, part of the furniture at Goodison and Finch Farm. It, it makes sense to me. He's played a lot more better football than what Evertonians have probably seen in the last two seasons at least. So, um, you know, give him, an, again, give him a season, let him bring in, you know, two seasons, he's two summer like transfer windows he's probably going to need to be able to bring in his own squad. But, Theo, I'll throw it to you as a as a Chelsea fan and, and I know your love for Lampard as well. Mm. What, what do you think on the move to, to Goodison Park? Exactly like I was saying about Vieira um, to Palace in the summer. It's exciting. It's nice to see this young kind of ex-professional footballers come in and, and take over from their teams. Um, and even just from looking at Twitter comments from Everton fans, he's almost seemed that like he's rejuvenated the fan base, brought in, you know, some hope, some um, some optimism as well. Because I see a lot of Everton fans say that since the game against Brentford was the best football Everton have played all season when they won 4-1. Mm. I'm still unsure about the, the Donny De Beek and Deli Alli signings. I feel like it wasn't their main priority um, come January. They, they have got some capable players like Decore who could you know fill in that position. But um, you know, I'm confident that when Calvert-Lewin comes back in, um, they do have a much better squad than Burnley, than Watford, than um, Norwich. So... Um, I just really hope he can keep them up um, this season, which I'm confident he will, and then hopefully get the players he wants in the summer and build that Everton team for next season. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are, Rich, from a sort of non-biased Chelsea perspective. <laughs> I mentioned it before. Like um, he rightfully got sacked from from Chelsea. I think he got the job too early. Mm. Um, he should have done. What he's on now, they should have done that in reverse. Mm. Derby, and Everton, Chelsea. Yeah, or mm. something like something along those lines and stuff. Um, what I do like about Lampard is he he obviously he works with a lot of youth and stuff, gives them a chance and stuff. Him and I believe he works with Jody Morris quite a bit and stuff. And um, they, they did a good job, obviously, with the youngsters at Chelsea. But I just feel like at Chelsea, he felt like, listen, I am. I'm Mr. Chelsea, like I can do what I want sort of thing. And it didn't work out. But at Everton, the only gripe I have with him is the timing he took the job because mm. we were meant to get Donny. And, <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as he had, had, had thrown his name into the hat, um, it, it, it made sense for Donny to stay at Everton because obviously he doesn't have to move home with his wife being pregnant and all sorts of stuff. So um, I think he'll do a good job there. I think he'll do a very good job at Everton and um, they'll definitely be safe. You know, had they kept Benitez, then I would say mm. they would need to worry. Bad move all around, I think. You know, looking back, you think, on paper, you'd think Benitez at a club like Everton would work, but the history with the two clubs and, and just some of the comments he made as Liverpool manager about Everton as well, it was just never going to... The moment Everton slipped up a little bit in the league, it was always going to be Benitez out and, yeah. you know, the board. So it was always going to end in tears, I think. But... You did expect a bit more as, as 
capable of Benitez, you know, to be able to get something out of the plays that he had, albeit Dom- Dominic Calvert-Lewin's been injured for the best part of uh, when Benitez was there, but yeah. you still think he should be able to get a tune out of those players and, and do well. But um, Theo, I've got your your predicted 11. That's been on the screen for about five or 10 minutes, but um, <laughs> talk, talk us through it because it's no not much different to mine, to be fair, but um, talk us through it. Talk us through your thoughts around tomorrow's game and the predicted lineup. Yeah, I've been busy with work, so I haven't really had able to put much force into this lineup. But um I think given that we've had a week's break um from the from the Club World Cup, which is a blessing for Chelsea at the moment because we played so much football throughout December and January. So to not have a midweek match, I think will allow us to play that same squad that played against Palmeiras. We know that Mount is injured, which means Pulisic will fill in um for Mount and I trust Pulisic to score against Palace. He's got he's got five goals in his last four appearances, I think, against Palace or four starts. Mm. Um, we've got actually a very re- good record against Palace. I think if we win tomorrow, it'll be nine successive wins in a row, if I'm not mistaken. So um, big opportunity for us to win. Um, Aspi, obviously, he's looking better at right wing back. He's would have had a weak break, so I think it makes sense to play him. Rhys James is still not fit. Mendy in goal over Kepa is our first choice after all now, Mendy. Christensen, Silva, Rudiger, I think our best three centre-backs when we play over back three. Could be a chance for Chiloba to come in, but I think I'll stick with those ones. Hudson-Odoi, left wing back, but I think it could very well be Alonso as well. And I think my preferred two midfielders would be Kante and Kovacic. I do think Jorginho is great, but I think Kante and Kovacic is kind of we saw that in, against Palmeiras. They kind of comp- their, um, their strengths and characteristics almost complement each other. And they can offer more goals going forward, maybe potentially than a than a Jorginho. And then Havertz just got to play alongside Lukaku. He's got to, you know, we saw that against uh, Link Up play was there occasionally at the Club World Cup. And I do think if we want to invest in Lukaku and, and make sure that he gets those goals and the, the game time he needs, he needs to play alongside Havertz over someone like Werner, I think. I think the Havertz-Lukaku partnership is what we need to be focusing on. And if we are to get goals for the second part of the season, you know, until May, June, we've really got to be looking at those two, for the, you know, to get the goals. So, yeah, throwing free Pulisic, Lukaku, Havertz. But again, Ziyech is another player, like we've mentioned many times, that's been probably one of our best players uh, since the start of the new year. So he could be also be in a, sh- a shot of starting. But um, it's just so hard to predict the Chelsea lineup at the moment. Yeah, and I think even one of the um, during the press conference today, I think someone said that you know it's it's, it's always difficult to to predict a two goal uh, lineup. But just going back to the Lukaku Kai Havertz partnership, what does that spell for someone like Timo Werner, who potentially obviously we brought him in for a large amount of money, hasn't really had the consistency, and we haven't had the, a front three with consistency. And I think you know I said that um, numerous times on here that you look at a Liverpool who. You know, you know you're going to get a Mane, Jota or Salah. Or, you know it's going to be the consistent front three nine times out of ten with, with Liverpool. Um, do you think we'll see this a bit more now with Lukaku and Havertz? And, you know, you look back to the Club World Cup and how well they played together. What does it mean for Werner, someone who we know hasn't really hit the ground running at Chelsea? And, you know, is it time for, for us to kind of cut our, cut our ties with, with Werner? I mean, first, he's just that game against Palmeiras, seeing Lukaku and Havertz as the two goal scorers is what we've wanted for so long. Um, Lukaku and Havertz, yeah. Um, so this season, we've relied so, so much on our defenders getting the goals at times. You know, Silva, like Rudiger, uh, Christensen's popped up occasionally with the odd goal. Um, I think in regards to Werner, I was on a 
another podcast um, in midweek. And I do think it could be the end of him this summer. Two calls come in. He's given him a few games. He's very been quite inconsistent in his form. Don't think he's scored a league goal since Southampton in October, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, he, he doesn't really seem to have the trust of the manager, which is what worries me the most. You know, when you when you look at our lineups, it's often been Pulisic, Hudson Odoi, and Ziyech preferred over Werner. And even when he does come off the bench, it's usually the 75th minute or 80th minute, so he only gets about 15, 20 minutes of game time. <laughs> I'm just struggling to see where he fits in in this formation, whether we play a back three or a back four. I do love Werner. I love his passion for the club, his um, relationship with the fans, but I'm not sure beyond this summer if he'll still be at Chelsea. Yeah, it's going to be a difficult one because I think he's still got a role to play. I think the problem and probably two course headache is, you know, you can only put out 11 players and you look at, you just mentioned as well, Hakim Ziyech, who we've all, well, say we all, but myself and Theo have definitely said that has, has been arguably one of the best players this half of the season alongside Kovacic as well. Um, and you, you just think, where does Timo Werner fit into this? And if you do want to have that consistency, especially with Kai Havertz and um Romelu Lukaku, it, it does kind of tell you that unless Werner does something in the next couple of games that you know gives Tuchel something to think about, he, he looks like he might be on his way out alongside. I mean, I'll, you, you've chosen Kante, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of talk about mm. Golo Kante and, and and Jorginho both leaving um, after their contracts and not renewing them uh, in 2023. Mm. Just, yeah, we are linked. We are linked to Kant, um, to a many and Rice. So know, you feel if we I do know, bring one or both of those in, it will be the end of Kante, one of Kov- Kante, Kovacic, or Gigi. Just or those Gigi. words doesn't sit right with me though. Just it's the end of Kante, who for me arguably is one of the, if not the, maybe I'm biased again, but he's one of the best in the world. You know, he's we'll one of him. the best in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is a true fact. You know, to to think we're going to lose the quality of Angolo Kante. When I know people are saying his his injuries and he you know he's, he's he's sort of slowing down and he's always injured all the time, but you look at a Thiago Silva who we've had and we've had for now nearly the best part of two seasons, and we know how to play him. We know he can play one game, we rest him, we play. I think that the, the way that Kente is, I, I think it'd be stupid to to let him go. It would be really stupid. I, I'm completely against the idea of selling one of Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic. But I think mm-hmm. the thinking behind it is this summer is probably the last chance for us to get a big value f- amount of money for Kante. Because after this summer, given his age, given maybe his form slowly dipping, I don't think we'll get anywhere near maybe 40 or 50 mil past this summer. Whereas maybe a PSG or Bayern Munich would snap him up for 50, 60 mil this summer, you'd think. But um that being said, I'd still rather keep him for another two, three years and get the best out of Kante while he's still able to offer on the pitch, which is what he's still a fantastic player. You look at those games against Real Madrid in our Champions League run to the to the final. He was man of the match in both of them, I think. He's a fantastic player. But um, but no, you won't be getting him any anytime soon, Rich. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, Rich, actually, now. Um, obviously, Aspia Queto is another player that... Um, I don't know if you've been following, but obviously his his contract's due to be to be um, coming to an end. Well, he's come to an end, so he's got an option whether he signs with Chelsea or moves on. Um, he's a player that's obviously won it all. He's he's the only Chelsea player that's won it all. And again, it would seem very strange to me that he'd want to go elsewhere and play for another club. But can can you see Aspiaqueta potentially moving on now that he's sort of completed the full set at Chelsea? 
it just wouldn't look right. Yeah, I agree. It really wouldn't look right. Um, <clears throat> what a servant you've had in him, by the way. He's, he's been phenomenal. And it's funny because obviously whenever I look at him, I think, yeah, he's going to get beaten for pace. He still holds his own, <laughs> you know. Um, he's so reliable. I think there was even a season where he chipped him with like about five, six goals, you know. Um, so you know what you're going to get with Aspital Equator. And um, <clears throat> it'll be a shame if he leaves. For, for your sake, it'll be a shame if he leaves, but I won't be surprised if he does. Because um, obviously with, with Reese James there, like, personally, mm. he's the best right right back in the league for me personally. Um, I know everyone will say like Trent and stuff, but I don't, Trent does the, the going forward bit well, but not so much the defensive side. And Reese James, I think, could do both. So, um, yeah, it, he's been a great servant for you guys. Um, and just for his legacy, I would hope for like, I mean, he's probably still going to get a statue somewhere. I think it would be nice for him to to stay and to see how his career there, and maybe even just go go into, go maybe be a player coach or something. Yeah. No, no mistakes leading to a goal since he's joined Chelsea yeah, in the Premier League. Right. I read that, but is it is that fact? Because I, I I was trying to scratch my head and see if I could remember one, but is that is that hundred percent? I think I saw a couple of reliable Twitter accounts tweeting it. I think it was on the Premier League website. Even he scored a couple oh, of yeah. goals, but I don't think that counts as a. I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. But it's a, it's a it's bit a blurry, good, maybe, but it's, a, it's good to have on a CV if it's a hundred percent true. That's something that is, you know, goes alongside his uh, his honours. But um, yeah, hundred percent. Be ashamed to lose him. You know, obviously, there's a lot of talk around Barcelona, um, who I think have offered him a, a very good lucrative deal. He's, he's still weighing up the pros and cons of that. So we have to see. It'd be a shame to lose him. I know we've got Reese James, but. You know, we're talking about quality and depth experience. Right. For me, it goes without saying he's got he's got both. Um, so it'd be a shame to lose him. But you can also see now that he's completed everything at Chelsea, what is you know one last paycheck maybe in Barca or don't know with the wages I've got there. But um, yeah, it'd be a shame to lose him. Hundred um, percent. My starting eleven. If I just quickly go through mine, um, very very similar to yours, Theo. To be fair. Um, I think my only change would be to drop Silva and drop Kante. And the reason for that is the midweek game against Lille, which I think is a, a big game, um, you know, a Champions League game. I know that we haven't we haven't played for a week now, so the rest would be the plays well. Um, but I just think you know, Calibre needs to sort of come back and he's missed a couple of the games prior to the, the Club World Cup. And I, I agree with you, you know, I think I'll, going back to Palmeiras game, um, well, sorry, no, the Al Hilal game when we took off, um, we took off Jorginho and we brought on Kante. And there was a shift in the, the ball possession for us. So I just think in a game like against Palace, I think for me, Jorginho and Kovacic would work better in the midfield. Um, so yeah, I, again, it's not much different to yours. I just think in terms of the front three, oh, I, I am the nod, and the only reason I put Pulisic in there again is what you said earlier around the goal record for against Palace, but. It's hard to leave Hakim Ziyech out of a team when you look at the form that he's playing in. Um, but if you want consistency in front three, Kai Havertz has to start, Lukaku has to start, and 
there is that ultimate final place in the front three. And it, unfortunately for me, it would go to, to Pudisic, who, you know, if you think about most of the season, he's played out of a, you know, one of his natural positions and you know, he's played left wing back, I think potentially right wing back at one point. Uh, I think he played false nine in some games. So fortunate for it to not really see him play when, for me, he deserves a bit of a call up. And, and it also gives a rest to someone like Hakim Ziyech as well. Let's flip it around. You know, like I just said, we've got a massive game, um, you know, in a week against Lille, who's a, you know, it, for me, that's, and this is no disrespect to Palace, but it's a more important game um, just because of the, the fact that, you know, we want to progress through to the Champions League. So I, I think for me, I'd rest Silva because I'd like to see Silva play midweek. And again, Kante, like I just said, I think he's at that sort of stage in his career where you do have to sort of, sacrifice not playing him to potentially play him in a, a game that probably means more as a Chelsea fan um, to an extent. So that that was my only sort of rationale behind it. And obviously Alonso, I, I love Callum Hudson, the diet left wing back. I thought he played really well in the Club World Cup final, but I, I just I kind of, did, I don't know. I just feel like when you've got a player that plays in that position on the bench, play him. Mm-hmm. You've, uh, got to, you've got to kind of play your natural wing backs for these yeah. type of games. But I think, like you mentioned, the Lille game is an opportunity to do, to rotate slightly. So it could be Hudson Odoi tomorrow and Alonso yeah. midweek or vice versa. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to see that. I think, I think midweek I'd prefer to potentially see Callum Hudson Odoi. Um, or, or maybe Alonso starts both. I don't know. Maybe depending on the game midweek, we bring off Alonso for Hudson Odoi. I don't know. But I just think if you've got someone who's naturally a left back or a left wing back, just play him unless there's a reason why you can't play him, which he shouldn't be on the bench. So, um, yeah, that was my, my, my rationale behind that. Um, obviously Rudiger goes without saying, Christensen goes without saying, um, although Melanxar maybe, but, um, but yeah, the midfield for me where it's going to be key tomorrow, I think Kovacic, you know, going back to that Liverpool game for you, just how much he, he changed that game when we were two nil down, you know, he's someone that has just, since that game for me is, is improved and has shown the, the consistency in the team. Um, so I'm not sure what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, just our win rates. You look at our win rate with Kovacic and Jorginho, I think it's the highest win rate we have with those two midfielders amongst the other dif- different partnerships. But um, like I say, we're almost blessed to have such three such good midfielders in Kovacic, Jorginho and um and Kante, I don't think either of us will get the lineup spot on. I think there there'll be, it'll be something in between. It'll probably be Silver, but um, but Hudson Odoi or or Alonso or, but um, either way, like I always say, I back Tuchel to make the right choice with the lineup, and if it's not correct, make changes at halftime. Uh, yeah, I agree, hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's let's move on to predictions uh, very quickly. So uh, let's let let Rich go first, as he's the guest and uh, the only Palace fan on the on the, the podcast today. It's going to go one of two ways. Oh, oh no. Oh, I'm going to read. We're going to get battered. Or we draw 1 1. Maybe 2 2 at a stretch. Um, I don't see us winning it. Not for one end of trying. But I just think, obviously, you, the, the quality you've got all around and Mendy in goal as well. Like, <laughs> That plays a factor. Um, obviously, like I said, here Mason Mount's out, that helps. Um, I would have hoped Pulisic wasn't available. I guess that just um, just looking at your, your two predicted lineups, our, our best Jay is going to come trying to attack from your wing back areas. 
not saying that we're going to get joy from it, but like with your your back three, they're solid. So you've got you've got you've got the players to beat the wing backs in Eze and Zaha potentially. They've got you know that's pacey. I don't know if Eze will even play. That's the that's the worrying thing about it. I hope he does. But um but more more so Michael Elise, I definitely hope he starts. Mm. Um because I think of House of Adoy, sorry, he he he's gonna give Joe Ward problems if it, if it's Joe Ward. But then defensively, I'm not too sure. Like, could we could we cheat, effectively cheat in this game? Like maybe just leave our front three forward. Let the wing backs go forward and see if we can break <laughs> like that. Mm. Um, Gallagher's going to obviously be a big miss, and this is why I'm hoping Eze comes in because we're going to need some sort of creativity in the top in the top half of the, top, um, the pitch. Um, so I want to go one one. Fear, what are you what are your uh, your thoughts? Well, when Rich said it might go either one of two ways, either we'll get battered or be one one. Chelsea don't batter teams in the Premier League at the moment. <laughs> that's a that's a very good point. I'm trying we to, don't. I, was trying think, I was trying to think when was the last yeah. time we did that. No, we I are charity FC though. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd be very surprised if Chelsea scored more than two goals tomorrow. Um, just given how it's been this season, we we dominate possession, we dominate the ball, we create a couple chances, but we're just not clinical enough. And I can see that happening again tomorrow. So I'm going to go with. I think we'll win. It will be a ugly win but it will be a 2-1 win to Chelsea yeah I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a tight game I think um, I, I feel like I've said this the last three times but I'm going to go 1-0 to Chelsea I don't think it's going to be like Theo just said you know we don't steamroll teams we don't you know win 7-0 6-0 you know um, I, I do think we are good at keeping clean sheets and I think you know um, I, I can see us keeping a clean sheet tomorrow so I'm going to go 1-0 I'm going to say Lukaku. I'm going to say Lukaku is going to carry on um, with the, the performance and how he's been in, in the, the Club World Cup. He's going to bring that back into the Premier League. Fans are going to forgive him. He's going to get a second chance to to win over the fans. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be, it's got to be a game that we've got to win. Um, this is a, a, a really pivotal moment in Chelsea's season. Whether I think there was, there was a question asked to Tuchel today around whether he, um, he still believes we can get the, the win the league and we're 16 points off it so realistically we've got to start thinking about top four at some point and that's what Thomas Tuchel alluded to so you know we need to just make sure we keep the pack from behind us catching us and try and keep on top of uh, you know third spot and make sure we don't drop into the fourth one Agree we have to stop looking ahead now and just look behind us we have to look at it pains me to say but the Uniteds the West Hams the, um, the Arsenals the Tottenham's and kind of lose focus now on on City and, Liverpool, and even maybe Liverpool yeah, no, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. But um obviously it's been episode fifty three. Rich as always. Um thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. And Theo. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, obviously I'll put the link to your uh, your channel in in the description as well, Eagle Eyed Football. I know it's doing really well. Um so yeah, we'll put the link in there as well. And Theo as always, pleasure. I'm sure we'll talk between mm-hmm. now and three o'clock tomorrow. Um, I'll be wearing my windbreaker throughout the weekend. <laughs> I think the players will need them as well. Yeah. The players, but hopefully it doesn't get cancelled. That's a, that's a very true statement. That's, that's a possibility. I was thinking about that. I was thinking yeah. about that. I just no saw, the, I think just I sent it to you, a video of the Brentford players training and they kick the ball and it just comes flying back towards them. So yeah, um, it's, it's, uh, hopefully it's not like this tomorrow. Fingers crossed. But um, guys, as always, make sure you subscribe to the channel. 
Let us know your thoughts in the comments as well. We'd love to hear from, from all of you and everyone who tuned in today as well. And also Apple, Spotify, make sure you, you definitely check that out as well. Give us a follow, follow on there. Um, but this has been for episode 53 from the Shed End Podcast. Myself, T-Dot, Theo Rich. Until next time, stay safe in that wind. Um, doesn't seem like it's going to get any better. Thanks for listening. Yeah.